Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Hello, welcome to Red Sox Beat, another week, of course, of the Red Sox podcast and MLB podcast here on CLNS Radio. Before we get going, just want to remind you all that today's show is, of course, brought to you by lynda.com. You can claim your free 10-day trial from CLNS Radio if you go to www.lynda.com backslash CLNS. We've been doing it for a while now, over 4,500 different courses on there, anything from web design, engineering, programming, anything you can think of taught by expert course expert uh, instructors there excuse me on there so go on and check that out get free 10-day trial from clns radio um again www.linda.com backslash clns uh we will be joined by sean ferris in just a minute of sportstalkflorida.com his new home for his work if i have that correctly uh mlb mlb fantasy writer he writes nfl as well um but jess first of all jess another week how you doing my friend Doing good. Looking forward to the season more, and as games happen, and things get exciting. The snow's going away, and life's starting to get good, right? Yeah, we can. Get, the snow can go away completely now. Us in Boston broke the snow record. We broke the total for snowiest winter in Boston. It can all melt now. We got our record. We got another banner here in Boston, and everything else now can just go away. You got it. Uh, that being said, we got plenty to talk about today, Jess. I'm just going to get it going now. Uh, I got a lot of MLB news. We'll break that down a little bit for a quick MLB headline segment like we did last week. Uh, we're going to get to fantasy just in a second here with Sean Ferris as well as uh, Pavel Sandoval making some more comments, Will Farrell getting shunned by an NFL Hall of Famer, and other big news. So we'll get, we're going to get right into it here. Sean, welcome back to the program. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. No problem. Um, great stuff, as always. I know you uh, just changed to sportstalkflorida.com. You got a new gig there. So congrats on that, first of all, since you've been on the show last time. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Uh, we're going to dive right into it here. Um, big thing with you, obviously, is fantasy. We're going to kick it off here. I just want to know, um, who do you think would be maybe your biggest comeback player this year, fantasy-wise, who might have had a bad year last year? It doesn't have to be a young kid. It could be a vet. Just who, who do you think would uh, people might forget because of a bad year last year due to injury or just lack of production? Well, a guy that I really like, and I think it might be just more because of he suffered an injury early in the season, uh, and couldn't really see all his stats really accumulate so people you know tend not to focus on guys that aren't hitting 20 home runs stealing 20 bases a guy I like a lot is AJ Pollock you know he hit you know big power speed guy is going to hit in the top of the Diamondbacks lineup 
uh, in front of Yosemite Tomas, in front of Mark Trumbo. He runs. He's got good power. It's a good ballpark for him to hit in. And he, you know, he was hit by a Johnny Cueto pitch in May of last year, and he was actually having a, a pretty good season up to that point. Kind of derailed his season, but I think you know, in 2015, uh, with his power, speed, not a lot of guys out there with that you can get later in drafts like AJ Pollock. Yeah, that's that's a good one. He's kind of going under the radar recently in the last couple of years. So I like that pick. I want to go, Sean, to the Red Sox quickly here in terms of possible comeback players since we're on that, on that tune. Um, Hanley Ramirez, he didn't have a bad season last year by any stretch of the imagination, but his home runs were down at 13. He had 71 RBI, and he hit 283. Are you looking for him to have a much bigger year, or do you think he'll have kind of similar numbers that he had last year? Oh, well, I'm expecting I'm expecting the power to be there. It's, I think it's always going to be there. He's never going to – I think that the years of him stealing 20 or 30 bags, those are over. I think <laughs> the best thing he can do, it's it's going to be interesting to see how he adapts and to play in the outfield, how that affects his body on a day-to-day basis. Obviously not the most durable guy in the world, but I, I, I could definitely see him hitting, you know, 25 to 30 home runs if he – if he gets, you know, 130 games played. So I, I'm optimistic. I think I think this is this is where he wants to be. This is obviously a great lineup around him. He's gonna have that protection. Um so, you know, if they pitch to him, he's gonna he's gonna put up numbers. Pitching, Sean, is a huge thing in fantasy baseball. We all know that. It's a big part of it. Um a guy last year who didn't have a great year up there in Detroit was Justin Verlander. Now obviously I don't think we can expect to have him have him that bad of a year again this year. Um, what do you expect from a guy like Justin Verlander this season, fantasy-wise? Yeah, I think he's definitely a bounce-back candidate. You know, people forget last year that he he really didn't get into his off-season program. He didn't have that same routine because of the injury he had. Uh, you know, that that's huge for a pitcher to be able to do the same thing every year, uh, do their same routine in the weight room and on the field, and he wasn't able to do that last year. I think coming in, he's got his whole routine, his program down from last off season, this past off season, uh, and I really think it's going to pay dividends during the season. Do I think he's an elite guy, uh, like a top fifteen starter? No, but he's definitely he's definitely in that second tier. I think, obviously on a good team, uh, I think he's going to rack up some strikeouts, and I think he's a really good bounce back candidate for twenty fifteen. Keeping on the on the pitching side of things, Sean. Um I've had I've had thoughts about this guy for a while. I'm just curious to see how you think he'll have what kind of season you think he'll have this year and if he's a good person to have on your fantasy team. And the guy I'm talking about is Jared Weaver on the Angels. He always seems to put up a lot of get a lot of wins. His ERA is sometimes sometimes good, sometimes not quite as good, but I I I thought he was a good pick to have in fantasy. I was curious to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean Jared Weaver, obviously not the not the sexiest pick you can make in the world, but obviously, like you said, he's going to get you wins. He's going to go out there every fifth day. Uh, he's going to make his starts. He's going to he's obviously pitching for a good team. The only thing that I don't like about him is his strikeout rate has really declined from what we saw from him early in the season. Doesn't get a lot of swing and misses on his breaking balls anymore. You know, he's a guy that that really relies on deception more uh, 
more at this point in his career, throws across his body, um, and the velocity is just really not there. So if if you can weather the storm, there's going to be some bad starts here and there simply because he doesn't have the stuff. Uh, doesn't have the stuff to really get through it. But at the end of, end of the year, he'll have his stats. So I think he's a good number three, two number three starter on your fantasy in your fantasy rotation. Uh, Sean, one last fantasy question from me here before we move on. Um, a big guy for me, and I'm a huge Koji guy, and even last year I still loved Koji. Um, his numbers were down last year. Obviously, he wasn't completely healthy, and the team wasn't great. But can I expect to be able to draft Koji this year, relying him on him for a save or two a week, maybe? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, a guy getting, getting into this stage of his career, closing on age 40, uh, there's going to be a little bit of regression, and we saw that last year. Uh, if you're expecting, you know, Koji are seventh in the in the Cy Young voting from 2013, um, obviously you're That'd not going to get him. <laughs> so obviously That'd you're not going to get him. But he still, you know, struck out 80 batters last year, only walked eight. There's there's not too many guys, high profile relievers, that have that ratio. So I think obviously playing on playing on Boston, who expects to, you know, hopefully be contending this year. Uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunities there for him, and the ratios are there. So I, I, I think he can still be, you know, a top top eight closer this year. All right, so I want, I want to shift away from fantasy here, and I want to ask a few opinions on the Red Sox. And one quick question on MLB in general before we let you go. Mm-hmm. The center field battle in the and the Red Sox at all at a whole right now is just too close to call. I think Mookie Betts has the edge just because Jose Castillo hasn't played. If he's due back Wednesday. Do you think this job is now Mookie Betts to lose just because of the situation he's in? Yeah, I think you you have to look at it that way. There's been no indication that he should be anywhere but in center field this season. Um, it's unfortunate that Castillo had to have that injury. We're, we're going to see, a, obviously, an awesome competition. And just him missing that time really gives Betts the edge. Um, I think Betts is a better fit as a leadoff man. You know, he sees a little bit more pitches where Castillo, you know, is is a little bit more free swinging. So just from a value perspective and a team perspective, I think they would be better off with Betts winning that job and leading off for them. Um, But who knows? You know, Shane Victorino will probably not uh, be healthy for too long, and that will open up right field uh, for Castillo, (laughs) and we'll find a way to get those guys. It's a good problem to have. Uh, but if from just center field battle standpoint, you got to give it to Betts at this point. So I want to ask you this because it came out today and it's been a topic of in Major League Baseball for God knows how long now. Uh, Pete Rose officially made his pitch to uh, Commissioner Manfred about being re- being reinstated into Major League Baseball and whether and now he's got to sit and wait. And Manfred actually responded and said, Okay, yeah, we got it, and we're going to sit, and I'm going to consider everything, and then I'll give him an answer. That's more than previous commissioners have done, and more than Bud Selig had done. So what do you think of Pete Rose coming out and trying to get his name back into baseball and being able to work in baseball? Do you think it is going to help? Do you think it's going to work? And do you think Manfred will let him back in ultimately? Well, it's certainly worth a shot. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's it, sports and sports in general, baseball, football, basketball, they're all – they're all they're hypocritical to some point because 
we promote the FanDuel, we promote the DraftKings, we promote betting. You know, famous announcers, Al Michaels, all these guys, they, they talk about lines and spreads and over-unders in the games, in the in the broadcasts, and yet, you know, we can't bet on anything. The athletes can't bet on anything. It's it's a tough situation. Um, I think Manfred, there's going to be he would get a extremely you know a, a terrible backlash if he was to let Pete Rose into the Hall of Fame simply because all those baseball purists uh, would go after him. So <laughs> you know I think it's worth a shot for Pete. I mean, what has he got to lose at this point? But I don't see him being. I don't see it working at all. I think it's I think it's best to say that, of course, he didn't have anything to lose, but I think Manfred's best case is just to not let him in because mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a lose-lose, but it's more of a, it's less of a loss for Manfred if he just keeps it the way it's been and no one will be shocked by that. Yeah, I agree with you. Just kind of stay the course there, and I don't think that's the way he wants to start his legacy as commissioner by any means. No, that's probably the wrong decision. Uh one more question for you, Sean, before we let you go here. And um, it re- mm-hmm. uh, revolves around good old Panda, Pavel Sandoval. He's come mm-hmm. now, and he's been playing well in spring and all this stuff, but he's obviously made headlines for other reasons. He's just come out and criticized former teammates and Hunter Pence and Aubrey Huff, and the recent one was Aubrey Huff. What do you make of all this? Why would he be doing this? Obviously, we heard reports that he was great in that locker room, and he was friends with all of them. What, what would make him want to do this? What, is it a ploy for Red Sox fans to like him? What, what's going on here? Well, for for me, I'm, I have to think that maybe there's a little bit more to the way Pablo Sandoval and, and the Giants kind of ended their relationship. Um, maybe not even from a money standpoint, but just from a relationship standpoint. Maybe there were some issues uh, that members of the media didn't really get to see, issues with teammates and in the front office, and maybe that's starting to boil over here now. Um I think Sandoval is a good good addition to the Red Sox. I think he's a great player. Uh, but to have a guy that that won all these World Series with the Giants uh, come out after the fact and and really kind of go after former teammates, uh, it's, it's definitely a red flag. And it looks like there might have been a little bit more to his departure from San Francisco than uh, we thought before. Yeah, it definitely seems that way. And at this point, he's a Red Sox. He clearly doesn't want anything to do with San Francisco. And surprisingly, he's apparently, according to him, he's not even friends with Buster Posey, which is odd to me because he's probably one of the, apparently the most likable guy in the league, one of. So <laughs> clearly there are some issues. Uh, again, this is Sean Ferris of SportsTalkFlorida.com. You can find him on Twitter at RealSeanFerris. He's a fantasy guru for NFL and MLB. Um, Sean, we appreciate you taking the time out of your busy life to join us again on Red Sox Beat, and hopefully we can uh, talk to you down the line. All right. Anytime, guys. Thanks. Have a good day. Thanks, Sean. See you Thanks, later. Thanks, Sean. Bye. Again, that was Sean Ferris of SportsTalkFlorida.com. Again, big congrats on him for the upgrade. And not really, I wouldn't say upgrade, but uh, change of scenery to SportsTalkFlorida.com. He's real. Uh, real Sean Ferris. At real Sean not Ferris. Fake. He's a great, he's great, great follow. Yeah, no, we're not lying to you. He's the real Sean <laughs> Ferris. Um, no, good stuff by him as always. He's a great follow. I've been following him for a while. I'm glad he's now a friend of the show. And uh, I'm sure that will not be the last of him on the show, as we have a fantasy segment to do. So we have, we now have a fantasy insider as well as for football. 
I will say on a side note, Jesse's great during football season for me because he has given me a lot of good info <laughs> for my fantasy football team. So it's great to have him as a friend, more or less. Um, but yeah, so a lot of good stuff to talk about, Jess. I want to just go through quickly here and run through headlines of Major League Baseball, and then we're going to get your reaction on it, and then we'll go from there. So uh, the big one of the day, Cliff Lee, he is going to the 60-day DL. He, just, he declined to have surgery. The Phillies have sent him home to Philadelphia, and they're going to put him on a rehab schedule, uh, periodically going to Philadelphia to, to the stadium to get checked on by medical doctors there. So that's going to be a long-term fix. So Red Sox fans... If there was any chance of that happening, you dodged the bullet. You uh, Darvish, ace Texas Rangers, officially is done for the year, like we talked about last week. Um, officially now, we'll elect to have Tommy, Tommy John surgery, and it will miss the entire 2015 season. Again, tough blow for the Rangers. Uh, Zach Wheeler tore his UCL and is done for the year. Uh, 24-year-old, I believe. Pitcher for the Mets will have Tommy John surgery. A rough go for the Mets. They're having issues there with the pitching rotation. And finally, again, we mentioned it there with Sean Ferris. Pete Rose asked Manfred for reinstatement formally to Major League Baseball. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with that, but it has happened officially. Pete Rose has asked for reinstatement to Major League Baseball. Those are your around Major League Baseball headlines. Jeff, um, get your thoughts here. Start with Cliff Lee. What do you think about that whole situation? Yeah. Should he have gone for surgery? I mean... Does it matter? I mean, he's 36 years old. He's injured literally every year. So I say he should just retire. I don't know what he's doing, but he can't stay healthy. So I don't really – I mean, at his age, it just doesn't really seem worth it. I feel like he's just going to keep getting injured no matter what happens because he's clearly got some, some injury-related history and cannot seem to pitch a full season. So I don't think it matters what he does because I don't think he's going to be around for much longer. I'm thinking this could be the end of his career. I'm thinking that by the time if this 60-day DL thing's up and he's not fixed, he might say, screw it, I'm done. I completely agree. I, I want to I stay home. I'm done. I'm going to go play golf. That's right. Um, you Darvish, I mean, we talked about it last week. It's it's sad. He was going to be huge for them, and now he's going to miss the whole year. He's 28 years old, and he's not going to get younger. And when you start having injuries and major surgeries and stuff, sometimes guys get better from it, but sometimes they don't as well. So I think it's just kind of a red flag with him and, Maybe someone you can't completely rely on because once someone's injured a couple times, you don't. Those those teams aren't so willing to keep you around and and, and want you to pitch a bunch, and they're gonna have question marks about you. So that's definitely definitely a concern for the Rangers and for him. Um, Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler. Disappointing for the Mets. I mean, he's a good young pitcher, and they're trying to get back to relevancy. And clearly, they're having trouble with Matt Harvey getting injured before, and now Zach Wheeler. All these headlines, almost all these headlines are, are injuries. I mean, someone's got to be figured out of how to keep these guys healthy. Or maybe just baseball is just a dangerous sport. I don't know if there's any way to fix it, but it's, there's too many injuries, and it just it just ruins everything with teams because you rely on people so much, and then they get hurt, and then where are you? You're way worse because your best pitchers are getting hurt. And it's definitely an issue. Yep. And uh, finally, Pete Rose well, trying to get his claw his way back into Major League Baseball. I mean, it's a tough situation. Gambling's obviously very, very bad. Just ask, ask Tim Donahue of the of the NBA. He's yeah. Bet, Who knows what he's doing? Right betting now. on games. It's yeah, it's it's a terrible thing. So I'm friends with him on Facebook, though. Wow. He friends like everyone. I saw him on Facebook one day, and I was like, "Hey." <laughs> Side note: I know this isn't baseball, but it, it was interesting, and he actually accepted it. So. I don't know what he's doing. He doesn't really post, but it was kind of cool. That's pretty weird. Anyway, back to baseball. Um, yeah, I mean, gambling's bad, and I mean, it's been a while. I don't, I don't know what Manfred will think about him 
trying to get back in. I mean, it makes sense since it's the new commissioner. I mean, it's not really going to affect much in my mind. I mean, I'll be okay with it either way. I'm not obviously a huge fan of gambling, but <laughs> and it's obviously the wrong thing to do when you're playing, but it has been a while, and I guess he's just trying to ask for some leniency and hope that hope that he can squeak his way back in. I think we all knew this was coming. I mean, as soon as we knew Bud Selig was retiring, I think most, at least my mind, anyway, right, went right to Pete Rose. Mm-hmm. Went, oh, this is intriguing. Now Pete Rose can get back in Major League Baseball. I know he wants to work with Cincinnati in the front office if they would have, if they would have him, and only way to do that is if, if Manfred kind of unleashes the the claps on him and kind of just lets him back into Major League Baseball. But I'm intrigued to see where that one goes, especially. I, who knows how long that'll take him? It's not obviously probably not in the front burner of news and things to deal with on Manfred's deal, day-to-day basis and day-to-day life, right. I'm sure. But I'm, I'm intrigued by that one. Who knows when we'll have a resolution to that one either way. But there are your MLB headlines, uh, both your take and mine, Jess Thomas. Um, we'll move on now to some Red Sox stuff. I want to start with Pablo Sandoval because last week we talked about this and he made comments about his teammates and then Aubrey Huff responded. Make sure you read my article out. if you haven't. Yes, go check out Jess's article in our last show. on in our last show on CionisRadio.com at the moment. It's in the, it's in the uh, Red Sox magazine section. Good stuff on there as well, the written content. But uh, Sandoval responded to Aubrey Huff on Friday, questioning, quote, who is Aubrey Huff? Sandoval asked in response, what is important here is to see where the person who made those comments is and where I am now. That's what counts. He, that was a shot at Aubrey Huff, saying, you're, you're there, I'm here, I'm in a good situation. And they screwed me over. And this is all, obviously, like we talked about last week in Justice's article. It's stemming from Giants and him having a bad situation coming coming out of his tenure there in San Francisco. And like we talked about with Sean Ferris a few minutes ago, who knows what happened coming out of San Francisco. And this is another straw in showing that it wasn't all goody-two-shoes, gumdrops, and pixie dust out there in San Francisco. Something was going on. And now we're seeing it come to the fr- forefront, whereas before we all thought it was beautiful and and rainbows. Now it's okay. What's going on? What happened? And we're never really going to know. They're not going to release all this. I guarantee you. But Pablo Sandoval's making it quite clear that something happened. And being disrespected had to have. He ha, he was disrespected. And it's just a matter of how much he was disrespected, or do the Giants really not believe they disrespected him? There's a whole plethora of things that could have happened. But all we know, Jess, is that with this comments response to Aubrey Huff, he really wasn't going back. To, he wasn't going back there at all. Yeah, this this whole thing is getting kind of ugly. I mean, it's <laughs> when it happened and when we talked about it last week, I was disappointed that it happened because obviously you never want to see that happen with any team or anybody. But it's kind of gotten out of hand now. Now that he's kind of now that Huff fought back against him, and then he responded to Huff in a not so nice manner. And now I'm seeing here that former teammate Gregor Blanco has also responded to what what uh, Sandoval said about. What Sandoval said and what he said about Huff as well, and I mean just a few quotes from Blanco. He said, "quote He said things that he might not think about that he might regret later. That's his call. That's what he said. All I can say is I wish him the best." He was kind of kind of snide with the remarks, but also like he was like trying to say the right thing, but also saying like that that was a pretty dumb idea considering Blanco said, "I hope he regrets it and apologizes, especially to the fans." So with all the people responding to this and and. It, everything that's happening with it, I think it's getting kind of out, out of hand and pretty ugly, and it doesn't look very good for Sandoval because now people are fighting back against him and, and shooting back and, and 
talking about how he shouldn't be saying these things and how he's going to regret it and just creating all this backlash. And I, if something must have really bad must have really happened with him and, and the Giants for him to say this stuff. But I think he, at some point, if he isn't already, he may be regretting even bringing anything up because I think it's getting kind of ugly and I'm not liking where it's going. Yeah, he's kind of deep in this. And, um, look, obviously everyone in the Giants organization and is at all associated with them is going to back anything San Francisco, anything, anything right. Giants-related. But, so, and it's hard to say, it's hard to really take an opinion because we don't know what's going on completely. But from this side, you kind of have to, you have to side with the Giants almost because everything you've heard was so goody two-shoes and it, like I said, and then all of a sudden now it's just because Pablo Sandoval decided he didn't like it there, he's going to badmouth them, everything went sour. I highly doubt that San Francisco is that bad of a place to play because no one else wants to leave. Yeah, I really want to know what happened because it's, you know, it's not clear and we just know what he said and everyone fighting back with him, it's it's hard to know what actually happened. I, I just hope that whatever happens with the Red Sox with him, I hope something similar like this doesn't happen. I mean, we, we hope it doesn't, but we have this example here of what happens when he leaves a team. So it's not encouraging, and I don't want to go against him or anything because he's on our team now, but it's... Oh, you can go against him. I'm okay with that. I don't want to, necessarily. I, I mean, obviously... We don't need to be good at two-shoes here with our team. We can we can, we can crap on our team. It's okay. Well, I w- it's going to happen this year at some point, so might as well start now. Yeah, well, I want to like him, and he's obviously a big part of the team, and he seems to be just a great influence on the clubhouse, and I see nothing negative about him besides this whole deal with the Giants. So hopefully it doesn't carry into this, the team now, but you have guys saying that, that it was a close team, and, and uh, they liked him, and... Like, for example, Blanco said, quote, yeah, man, I think the happiness and energy he brings to the team was good. At the same time, I think every player can be replaced. Uh, I've now we've got Casey McGee, who's a great and underrated player. He hasn't gotten the credit he deserves. He's happy here. Pablo's moving on. I wish him the best. So, like, he's saying, like, that Pablo is good for the team, and, and he did he did say that he'll miss him and, and stuff. So it's like, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird that he's saying all this stuff because the two teams just don't seem to be on the same page, even specific players. So... Uh, I just, I guess I'm interested to see what happens with it. I kind of just wish it would go away, but it's not looking, not doesn't look good for him at least. One thing I haven't seen, Jess, has, has Farrell, has anyone asked Farrell about this? I haven't seen anything about Farrell. Like, why wouldn't I? I know most beat writers don't want to ask the tough questions because, hey, they don't want to get screwed over with their beat writing, and they want to make sure they have good relationships. But why wouldn't you ask him? It's not really that difficult of a question to ask. Yeah, it's not. And I, yeah, I, I don't see anything here that that Farrell ever said anything regarding. I mean, like, I'm assuming that, like, if you, I'm not, like, trying to make this into a let's bash on John Farrell segment here, but, like, I'm just curious because, or bash on the writers, because if you just ask John Farrell what happened, you're probably going to get the cookie-cutter answer of, oh, well, that's between him and the Giants, he made these comments, he's here working hard, he's playing well, and we're moving forward, but at least ask the guy, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, he could could reveal something, so I'm sure he probably doesn't want to get involved with it, but I wonder what he thinks about it, because it's obviously not a good situation, and it's kind of, it's kind of, Making news, and if people are exactly. if people type in Paulo Sandoval on Google, they're going to find stuff about this, not about the Red Sox and the team that he's on now. They're going to find stuff about this stupid controversy. So it needs to go away, and I don't know. I I think he just shouldn't have started in the first place. I think it's going to go away sooner rather than later. I really do, honestly. As much as people are making a big deal out of it, I, I think by opening day, people are going to forget about it. Once people see him every day at, or every night on Nesson hitting and playing and just playing, rather than us not being able to see this team play every day and having to read stories and having the written content be what we hear mostly out of spring training because they're not broadcast as much as we'd like. 
then we'll start to then you know this is all we have so we're making a big deal out of it but if this happens in the middle of the season then it might it'll happen but then people still ask him to he'll be able to distract us with our his play and then it would go away even quicker so i think that once regular season comes it should be gone it better be gone by then and uh, overall i just think it's I, I think it really needs to be a non-story but it's not going to be a non-story until pablo shuts up and everyone over there in san francisco just shuts up yeah, it's not, and I hope it does go away soon, but we spent a lot of time talking about it in the last two shows, so it's obviously an issue, but I think we should move on. Yeah, no, I th- I think that he is going to, I don't know if say regret, I don't know if he regrets it, but he certainly isn't going to have it go away anytime soon, that's for sure. All right, don't forget, we're going to move on here, but don't forget, of course, this show is brought to you by lynda.com. Kickstart your new year and challenge yourself to learn something new with a free 10-day trial for lynda.com with over 4,500 courses on topics like web development, photography, etc., all taught by expert experts, really, just that's the best word to use. Um, go on there, get your free trial. It's a great service. Um, let's move on here, Jess. All right. Um, so what I want to talk about now, we talked about it a little bit with Sean Ferris. We asked him his take on uh, Mookie Betts' situation here. Um, Look, look! It's looking like he's going to be the uh, starting center fielder realistically come opening day. The way it's been going, um, he has obviously Rusnay Castillo is there, but he's Rusnay is reportedly coming back Wednesday, I believe. Um, so who knows what's going to happen with that? He, apparently, he's healthy and ready to go. So then now it's going to is it going to be a two week battle and see what happens? I know. I think at this point you might see Rusnay Castillo at AAA because he hasn't had a full spring training, and Mookie Betts is performing well enough that you know what. He's probably going to get the nod. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I've been saying this all, along the way, and I know you were in favor of trading him if we could get Hamels for him, but still am. Yeah, and I'm sure you still are. But Betts is a really good player, and he keeps showing it. He's eight for twenty in spring training, hitting four hundred. And this guy is keeps showing he's a good player. And as I've said week after week after week, I am very not sold on Rusnay Castillo. And you said the same thing. We have no reason to to be sold on him, and Betts is obviously playing better, so I say start Betts. I don't think there's any question about it. One thing I like what Betts said, um, they did an article in the Herald about him, um, and it was talking about how he's, he's really getting that surreal feeling this year, this year that he's staying up here. He has a locker with pa, with Pablo Sandoval and Ortiz and Pedroia, and he's in the middle of everything, and he's realizing, he's finally realizing that he's probably going to be up here. And they asked him, like, what would you consider if you had to take a trip down on I-75 and you, maybe you weren't going to, or you're going to be stuck playing in AAA. He said, I'd be happy to go. I'd be ready for anything. I know we're going to have some late nights and some bus rides to airports wherever I am. That's humble to me because that quote is saying he knows the situation and he, he's ready for everything. He wants to be here, but he knows that the outfield situation is tough and he, he'll do whatever the Red Sox want him to do. And that's another sign of this young kid who I, I believe is 22. Is that right? I don't even know. I, th- I think he's 22. I think um, so. um, yes, he's 22. 22-year-old kid has a good head on his shoulders for a guy who's competing for a starting center field job in one of the most historic franchises in Major League Baseball history. Yeah, he really seems to have the whole package. He can he can hit, he can field, he knows how to present himself, he knows how to act in the media, and he seems like a good guy. I, I think that's the guy to build around, and I think do do not trade him and just keep bringing him along. And I, it's too bad they paid Ruzney Castillo so much money because, like you've said before, you don't want to put a guy who's making seventy two million dollars in the minors, but it may be the best thing for the team. 
And I think you're starting to see that. I think you're starting to see the team come out and realize that Ruznik Castillo might not be the starting center fielder despite the contract. And I've seen articles with beat writers reporting what they think will be the starting lineup. And got spent with any of the guys who are on the team all the time. And they don't even have Castillo on the opening day roster, never mind the opening day lineup. So I think it's starting to be more evident that unless Ruzay Castillo comes in Wednesday and starts playing more like he's going to in spring and really light it up and show that he's ready to go now, which I don't think he will, then I don't think there's no reason why not to let him get some at-bats in spring, in the start of spring in April, down in Pawtucket, and then move forward to bringing him up even at the end of April. Just give him a month down there to get some reps and more swings in at this level and then bring him up slowly and then put soon him. And then maybe if he's ready and you want to play him, then worry about dealing with Mookie Betts. But I think at this point, Mookie Betts is your starting center fielder. And it also, like Sean Ferris said earlier, he is good depth. You have good outfield depth now because you have, in case Victorino goes down, then you can bring, you have Nava as well. And if Victorino does go down and Betts has to go over, then you can bring Ruznikasio up or play him if he's on the roster. So you have plenty of depth there if and when Shane Victorino gets hurt again is basically what I'm going with um, because I believe it's going to happen. I don't think he's going to stay healthy. So I think you're good right now, and again, we can get this pitching staff's a whole other argument, but right now they, they don't seem like they're going anywhere with their starting pitching, uh, and you lost a target in Cliff Lee today. So I think right now they're staying pat, and they're going to see what they have, and I think Mookie Betts realistically is the option they're going to go forward with and then have fill in the depth spots behind him at this point, which is fine because he's spin, he can steal bases, which is great. Uh, another option for you people listening, go pick him up in fantasy if he's going to be the everyday center fielder. He'd be a great option in fantasy. Yeah, he absolutely would. And it makes sense for Castillo to be in the minors because he still hasn't gotten that much playing time. I mean, he was trying to get playing time over the offseason and he got hurt a couple times. So it's, I think he still needs time and Betts clearly doesn't need time and he just needs to play because he's just going to get better and better. So I think that's the best option. Mm-hmm. Side note on fantasy-wise, if you have, I just thought this had popped in my head, I don't want to forget it. If you have if you have a draft a keeper draft draft Yoan Moncada because in a couple of years you'll be thanking me for that one. <laughs> um, back to Mookie Betts here for a second before we move on to other stuff we can talk about here with the Red Sox. But Mookie Betts to me is going to be either he's going to be the leadoff hitter. I don't think there's any question about that because there's no way you're going to put him anywhere else except for either first or ninth, and you're not hitting this guy ninth. He'd be pretty dangerous at I, night, though. <laughs> he would be very dangerous at night. But then who do you hit first? Unless you hit Shane McDermott first and him ninth, you could do that. But then, I think the, I think the ultimate goal here is to hit Vasquez ninth, realistically, because he doesn't have that great of a bat. But I think, you know, actually now that I think about it more, I'm going to change my entire mindset here. Where do you hit Mookie Betts? Because if you have Hanley at left, Mookie at center, and Shane Victorino at right, what do you do with both of them? Do you put Shane Victorino hitting eighth or ninth and have Mookie Betts first, or do you flip flop that? That's basically that's where I want to go with this. Probably doesn't matter. I mean, they probably both do well at either one, but. I think who would you rather see more have more bats basically then? Uh, probably bets, and I like him at the beginning of the lineup because then he could steal some bases, and I don't know if I want Victorino stealing too many bases like we said in the past. So I think the bets is a better option in terms of stealing, in terms of getting on base, and in terms of staying healthy. So I guess in terms of specifically where you want to put them, it would probably work both ways, but probably work better with bets first. Pretty sure Mookie Betts' OBP last year was pretty decent. I don't know if you have his player stats up in front of you, but I'm pretty sure his his OPP was pretty decent last year. And if not, I can I know he's pretty patient at the plate. So his OBP was I think he, 368. Okay, so it's not awful, but it's not great. It's not great. Yeah. But I I think you could definitely benefit with him having a full season at the top of your lineup if you don't trade him. And I I think that you can see him 
getting on base, and then you have you have Pedroia and Ortiz right behind him. If he steals the base, that's an easy run there if you can get him on base. So I think the big thing is get him on base. And then also, we know he can hit the ball, which is huge because – if you can get your seven, eight, nine guys on base, even just eight, nine, if you and if you have Victorino hit ninth, say, you get him on base. I trust Mookie Betts to get a hit to drive him in, or to move him over so that Pedroia can drive him in, or Ortiz can come in and drive him in. So, and this is something we've been talking about for a while now. This Red Sox lineup is going to be hard to deal with as a f- opposing pitching staff. It really is because if you were talking about hitting Shane Victorino ninth and then going up to the top and only having really Mookie Betts to work around before you get to Dustin Pedroia. It's going to be a tough lineup to deal with, and I think that Mookie Betts hitting leadoff, and even I'm okay with Vasquez even hitting ninth and having Victorino hit eighth. I think it's just going to be a really tough situation to deal with. I think Vasquez is going to only get better. I think with is bad as well. So I don't think there really are any easy outs in this Red Sox lineup, and Mookie Betts is going to be the headliner of that lineup, I think. Yeah, I mean, you, you said it all. It, it makes perfect sense to have him first and have Victorino and Vasquez at the bottom of the lineup. I think that would be the best way, and I think people are going to start fearing Betts pretty soon as a as a solid MLB player. So if you got him to start the game, and then oh okay now we can now we can face Pedroia and Ortiz and Ramirez and Sandoval and all these guys. That's that's kind of a good psychological edge coming into the game. One thing I want to I want to get your take on Jess, and I just and there's something I was kind of thinking about earlier too while I was kind of doing the show prep here for this lovely program. Um, I want. I'm just curious of what you think potentially a platoon situation would be like because if you have Mookie Betts, say you have Mookie Betts starting center field, and Victorino at right. Obviously, Alan Craig's at this point is kind of an emergency situation, but you got to get Nava his at bats. I feel like, especially earlier in the season. Do you see Nava and Victorino being a platoon? Or do you see there being a three-way platoon between center and right? I th- what do you think is some better situation? I think a three-way platoon might not be bad because. Like you said, Nava does need to get his at bats. He's a very solid player, and he's always helped the team out and been a work for. He's like been smoking the ball in the spring too. He's been hitting pretty well. Yeah, he cranked a home run the other game. Yeah, so I think I think you got to give them all at bats, and I got no problem. I mean, no one needs to play 162 games, so you just switch them around, switch them out, play two of the three of them, and I like to see Craig get some at bats too if he's still here on the team. So I think mean, just. Go go by the matchup, who's pitching and mm-hmm. who's hitting well at a specific time. You can kind of base it as it goes, but I don't see any reason not to play all of them because there's no reason to play one person every single day. John Farrell has some tools to his disposal. This is when we find out if he can actually manage or not. Yeah, seriously. He, he definitely has a lot of good situations to play his matchups if he wants to. Um, Alan Craig can also be a, day, a person to give Mike Napoli a day off as well. Right. So there's a lot of options here. There's a lot of possibilities, but again, headlined by Mookie Betts hitting leadoff. I would love to see a three-person platoon, Jess. I think you hit it on the hit it on the head there. They on the head. I think you killed it because I think giving a three-man platoon makes it easier for Nava to stay consistent. You keep Betts going in there as well, and you keep Victorino playing, and you got to keep your veterans happy, and we all know John Farrell wants to keep his veterans happy. And then maybe eventually, if you can get someone to take Alan Craig off your hands, or just work him out of the rotation, then you can bring, if Ruzne Castillo's up there, you could put soon center and right field. It is, you could have, a, because you have so many outfielders, and I think at some point this year, Ruzne Castillo's got to be in there. So, and Hanley Ramirez, Hanley Ramirez will need a day off occasionally, too. Yeah, I, I can see him not getting that many days off, though. I just feel like he's that guy who everyone wants in the lineup, and he's going to get minimal days off. As bad of as an outfielder he's probably going to be, he's probably going to be better than Manny Ramirez was, for one. And two... 
people, he, there's no way he's going to give up that bat in the lineup that often. So I think every once in a while you'll see him out. Maybe that's a good spot for Alan Craig to go out there too in left field. But Nav has been proven that he can play against the wall. Um, Mookie Betts has played against the wall before. I wouldn't throw Ruznik Castillo out there, but I think left field's a prime platoon spot for Nava. I think he's actually second in the left field depth chart, if I remember reading that right before. So I think there's plenty of things to work with. And if you're not going to try anyone for starting pitching, you might as well keep people fresh and healthy going into the season. Obviously you want to get your wins and you want to primarily have your starters, but it'd be, it's a, it's a great option to have these platoons. And I think there's nowhere to go but up except for these outfield, because then if you have to, these guys will be playing so much, hopefully with the platoon situation that maybe some team will want to take one of them off your hands for a decent starting pitcher. Yeah, but there's really nothing bad about it, and it's good to keep everyone fresh, and it's good to have options of guys, and they're all good players, so it really, it, it really is a good situation because you're going to have solid guys in the lineup no matter what, which is which is awesome. I mean, most teams are used to just having their starters and then having a couple, couple junk guys come off the bench who can't hit for crap and aren't that good, and that's just not the case here. No. All right, so that's news on Mookie Betts. That's what we think about the outfield situation. Again, we're going to have plenty of conversations about the outfield situation between now and opening day and so forth here on Red Sox Speed, so stay tuned for that. Um, another big news today in a Grapefruit League, Grapefruit League action. Uh, Red Sox are currently fourth in those Grapefruit League standings, if you're wondering, um, for those who care and follow that. They were first, so they've fallen a little bit if you're following your Grapefruit League standings. But uh, Joe Kelly started today and got pulled. Uh, it was a muscle soreness. Do we make a big deal out of this, Jess? I mean, this is the guy who's claiming he's going to win a Cy Young this year, and now he's coming out with muscle soreness. I know he's, he had this kind of soreness last year and came back and pitched his next start. And obviously it's spring training, so it's, you're going to be working out the kinks. Do, we, do I make a big deal out of this, uh, Jess? Because I feel like I don't have to. No, I don't think there's any reason to make a big deal out of it, but I think this, it should be a little cause of concern just that he is getting hurt at all, even if it's just something minor like soreness. But it's you want this guy to be consistent and healthy and yeah he's talking about being Cy Young and you're not going to be able to miss a whole lot of time if you want to be Cy Young and I mean people shouldn't be sold on him yet because he really hasn't proven a whole lot yet and he hasn't pitched a whole lot so I think that you shouldn't be concerned about the specific incident where he came out today but watch out for it being a precursor to things coming in the future of him getting hurt again and not being successful because he hasn't had a very good spring either, which obviously you can't go by because you can have a bad spring in a good regular season. But I think he's someone to watch for. He's definitely a wild card, and I hope that he can stay healthy and be, be a good pitcher. Yeah, he's going to be the 4-5 or five option depending on what they want to do with Masterson as well, who's had a decent spring except for his last outing. But back to Kelly, it was a bicep. Soreness is what I I finally got the official thing in front of me. I should probably tell that instead of just throwing it off the top of my head. Uh, it was a, bi- a bicep soreness. He said he felt it when he was warming up, and then didn't think anything of it. He thought it would go away, and he kept pitching. And I said by the third inning, he couldn't throw anything but fastballs. And then Farrell came out and took him out. So when you can't throw a curveball, it's you, you know it's too, it, you know it's sore, and you got to come out. So that that being said, Joe Kelly came out today. I'm not too worried about it just yet. Obviously, it's spring. I'm I'm letting him work out his kinks. If he's doing if he has soreness in the middle of the season or even a couple months in, then I start to worry. But right now, it's fine and I'm okay with it. Um, one thing I also want to go following up on this Joe Kelly story is um, the possible replacements for him if he couldn't start. And the big one I'm hearing is Stephen Wright, who's the I believe he's 38, but he's a knuckleball pitcher. He's not 38. He's yeah, too old. That's too he's old. He's not even close to 38. How old is he? He is. That's uh, the wrong Stephen Wright. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's not. I, I'm way off he's on 30. 38. 
30. I knew he was in his 30s. I just put eight years on him. Barely. barely Uh, I'm sorry, Stephen Wright. I did not mean to put eight years on you. Um, He would officially, he still would be a rookie if he used to pitch. He hasn't had a full MLB season, I I believe. But he's he's an knuckleballer. And there are apparently, I haven't seen too much out of him. Obviously, I haven't been able to watch him. But there have been reports out of the spring training camp down there at JetBlue Park that he has had a great spring. Do you want a knuckleballer? Would you trust to put a knuckleballer back in this rotation? I know we had a Wakefield, and it's hard to live up to those expectations, but apparently he's been pitching well, and I'm okay with giving the guy a shot. I was last year, too, at the end of the season here on Red Sox beat when the season was winding up and we had other guys pitching, and obviously the season was a train wreck at the end. No one really cared about it, but I was all advocate for Stephen Wright cracking the rotation this year, and it looks like he might get a shot if Joe Kelly can't stay healthy. Well, and he say that he... He can't live up to Tim Wakefield, and no, I'm sure he can't. But he's—I know he's worked with Wakefield, so he's at least got some some Wakefield influence, which is good. Mm-hmm. I'd be totally okay with having him pitch, get another knuckleballer in the rotation. And we know what that's like, and he's mm-hmm. yeah, he's had really good numbers in the minors in past years and in the spring this year. And I—I I mean, I like to see him get a chance. He's 30 years old and he hasn't pitched a full season. Like I'd, I'd love for him to get a chance. I don't want it to be at the expense of an injury, but if it is, then I think that'd be awesome. If he doesn't make the rotation, this is kind of my easy segue into the next topic here, Jess. Would he be a shot for a bullpen candidate? I'm not so. Would sh- you want a knuckleballer in the? Bullpen? I don't think so. I think you want a knuckleballer as a starter. I think it's a little too risky in the bullpen. But then again, if he's a long reliever, it may work well. If if he if he only comes in like the third inning or fourth inning, I could like that. But if he's like a regular bullpen guy, like pitching like the sixth or seventh inning, I don't want that. So. I wouldn't either. Trust me, no. I, uh, knuckleballers are one thing, seeing them over the course of six or seven innings. But if you have one guy coming in as a knuckleballer, I, I don't think it's worth it. I think you need to ha- you need to have a steady bullpen of arms and some good stuff with sliders and changeups. But I don't think it's really worth dealing in a knuckleballer. Plus, the whole catching situation with a one pitcher is kind of an issue because you have to find a catcher who can catch knuckleballs. Right. I think Vasquez is okay with that. I think he can handle it, but. It has the potential to get out of hands so fast. Exactly. You still have, it's it's tough to throw a knuckleball in there in a relief situation because who knows the situation you're going to rely them on, and it's tough to get. You can, I don't want to deal with that mess. It's, it's way too messy. Um, and imagine the people that would be calling for John Farrell's head if that happened. I don't think it's the smart move. I don't think they would do it. I think it would either be starter or long relief. Yeah. Um, but that kind of has me want to, where I want to go today because we haven't done much about the talked much about the bullpen, but it's kind of a big topic because everyone's been so focusing on the five quote unquote aces that we have on the staff that no one's been really paying attention to what we have in the bullpen because I think a key to winning this year is going to have that lockdown bullpen because we don't know what's going to be coming out of these starters. We've talked about I've talked about my non trust in this rotation so far and I don't trust them until they show it to me. I want a bullpen to back them up in case something gets shaky, in case, say, Joe Kelly gets hurt again in, in the early innings. I need someone back there. I want to know, Jess, and this is the guy that I've had my mind on for a while now since they traded for him, is Anthony Varvero. He came from the Braves, if that has my mind served right, and I believe they gave him a minor, them a minor league pitcher in cash, and I believe that minor league pitcher was Aaron Kirks. I think that's who it was. Yep. Um, it, I think Varvero could, uh, could be potentially – a steal for the Red Sox this year. I, um, he's coming from an Atlanta team who clearly was on the mindset of rebuilding, and that's why they wanted that young dude and some cash to make up the difference in contracts. I think Varvero can be a solid, underrated guy coming into the season, but I think come middle to late summer, you're, if, this, if this team's in contention and we're talking about the bullpen, this is going to be a guy, and this is gonna, he's gonna, he might be the reason why. 
Yeah, I mean, he's had good success with with the Braves. He was a good pitcher for for them for a couple of years there. I mean, he was getting a a decent amount of strikeouts and a good opponent batting average and pitching a lot of games and not giving up a lot of runs. He had a really solid ERA. His ERA was under three the last two years, so I think that could be a steal if he can if he can stay healthy and and give him a couple innings in the bullpen. I think that's a great move. Two big things for me with his stats last year, and I have it in front of me right here. It's just a nice little paragraph someone wrote into their story, which is fantastic for me. There are only 13 walks in 54 and two-thirds innings pitched over 61 appearances. Mm -hmm. 13 walks, that's it. He's a right-handed pitcher. Right-handers hit 273 off him. You know, Jess, guess what left-handed hitters hit off of him last year? No, I want you to guess. At ballpark. Um, 230. 149. Wow. I thought I was going to That is what is killing me in terms of I want him to to repeat that success. Have a right-handed pitcher who can have lefties hit only 149 against him. Now, I don't know how often he threw against lefties. Okay, people, I get it. There could be like three people on that list. But to have lefties only hit 149, that's still a telling stat. This kid's got some good stuff. I believe he has a slider. And if that remembers me correctly. And that means he's running sliders inside on lefties all day. And that is a fantastic pitch to have. And if the, I would trust him wholeheartedly to come into a situation. And it also saves you from having to waste a lefty on a batter. If you if you already have him in the game and Farrell learns to trust this dude, then I, I think overall you're going to be able to feed him to the Sharks and he's going to handle it well. I think Varvaro is going to be like the, the key to this bullpen this year. In, in the middle middle relief innings, I don't think he's going to get obviously a setup situation unless Tazawa backs up because I think eight and nine is pretty locked right now with him and Koji. But Varvero could be seven, and to go seven eight nine with Varvero, Tazawa, and Koji, this could be us building our bullpen like the Royals did last year. And with a better offense than the Royals had, that's a good sign. Yeah, it's a real good sign. If I'm reading this correctly, which I believe I am, he threw twenty one point two innings against lefties, so that's significant. That's, okay, so good. That, that's even more compelling to my argument yeah this guy's this guy needs to be like the seventh inning dude he needs to kill i don't know how he got him so easily that if he pitches well what a steal i'm that's what i'm saying the braves gave him us to us for nothing some single leg guy who's never going to play and some cash for this guy who's going to potentially be the seventh inning guy in the bullpen who's hopefully is a world series bound or playoff contention yeah into a deep run that's awesome He's a steal, and I, I think that, and I believe that. And obviously, you have other guys in the backside. Jess, who else in this Red Sox bullpen? Obviously, once we point it all out to people who might not know who Varvero is, clearly he has a huge upside, and it's probably going to be a huge steal for this Red Sox club. Who else? Who, who, who's behind him? If you have Stephen Wright there, it's a long situation. Um, obviously, Workman's there. Who, who's, in the, who's in the bullpen? Yeah, Workman, uh, Craig Breslow, Edward Mujica. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess Alexia Gondo because he's not starting. Um, yeah, and then probably Tommy Lane. He was real good last year. Tommy Lane was good last year. I like year. to see him in there. And then the possibility of Matt Barnes that he could be in the bullpen and he's pitched real well so far. I could go either way with it at this point. But if we need an extra guy, I think add him onto the top of the rest of those guys. That's a pretty good. Bullpen. I would like to, I would like to see Matt Barnes get in if he consistently pitches the way he has been in the spring. Um, one guy that I'm keeping my eye on again is Mojica because he was a guy who didn't have, wasn't great last year, but he wasn't bad, especially where he got kind of got thrown into the closer role for a while last year because of Koji's issues and having to shut him down and rest him and all that stuff. Mojica, if Mojica again, Mojica was great when he was in St. Louis, 
took him off that roster. We kind of wanted him to be a big pitcher, big game pitcher, and turn out of the bullpen. He has another chance to do that, and I think it's lining up for him to be fifth, sixth inning guy consistently. Um, obviously, once you get past, once you get before the seventh inning, you're gonna gonna have a rotation of guys who's ready and available, depending on how much they've pitched and stuff like that. But I think at, before Varvero, Mojica would be the guy for me, unless Barnes shows something. I would go with I would go with Mojica if he can kind of get back to where he should be. Yeah, he was a real good pitcher even at the end of last year. He was he had a, a number of solid appearances in a row with us, and he was pretty much dominant. He would most of his his outings were one two three. So I think if he can keep that up and. He seems more comfortable in the American League after after settling down at the end of last year. I think that could be a great guy to have in the sixth inning. I think this bullpen is much better than being it over. Be. It's being oversought because and overlooked because of the way the starting rotation is being shaped. But this starting rotation has a very big Royals feel. This whole pitching staff has a Royals feel to me as last year, only a little better because I think. All the Royals had last year was really James Shields. But I think that Rick Porcello and Clay Buckholz as a 1-2 are better than what the Royals had last year. And everyone, I've, I know a lot of people have talked about it, about building from the bullpen and having the bullpen win you games. I'm okay with the Red Sox doing that like we're talking about because you have Koji, if he's back to form and healthy like he's, they're claiming that he is, Koji's a solid ninth guy, we know that. Uh, Tozawa's eighth. Who we, I'm pretty consistently okay with Tazawa being there in the eighth oh, inning. Yeah. Um, Varvero, seven. And you could always switch Tazawa and Varvero depending on how Varvero does. And then you have Mojica and Workman and all these other guys who can work yourselves into the bullpen rotation. This Red Sox team's built to have a good bullpen if Varvero and Mojica and these guys can really reach their potential, which I believe they can because, again, John Farrell works wonders with pitchers and they have a great pitching coaches and all these great guys around them. I think this is a great place for relief pitchers to succeed and I think that overall this bullpen is going to be the anchor to this team because I don't see this pitching staff doing much in terms of the starters yeah and Craig Breslow if he can pitch like he did two years ago that would be gigantic for this team I think oh yeah everyone's overlooking it and not really noticing who the Red Sox have but they have some good pitchers who if they pitch to their capabilities it looks pretty good on paper and obviously anything can happen with bullpens because sometimes they go down in flames sometimes they're way better than people expect so I think if they Pitch how they're capable. They could be a very good bullpen. Yeah, and obviously Juan Nieves is a great coach as well between him and John Farrell. I think this bullpen's going to be ready. Again, folks, look out for Anthony Varvero. And again, to tie it to the rest of our show, keep an eye on him fantasy-wise. He's probably not going to get picked up unless in maybe a later round. So shoot for him as well. Shoot for the moon with him because I, I believe seeing him, the news on him and seeing stuff about how he's pitching, I would be okay with picking him up as well. And he's going to be great for this Red Sox team. Um, move forward here, Just Two more quick things before we get out of here. Another great show we've had on Red Sox beat. Uh, Mike Napoli, the other day, on Saturday, against the Pirates, Pirates, he homered twice. Um, he only two runs to the Red Sox, they lost to the Pirates. I don't care as much about that as the sign is. Napoli put two bombs over the Green Monster down there in JetBlue Park. And that, and that monster's like a couple feet, if not like maybe ten feet bigger than the, the monster here in Fenway. It's a good sign, Jess, because, look, he's coming off of a huge injury last year. He had a toe, a finger issue. Um, he had some lingering back issues that we, we've learned as the season's gotten closer in last year's rotation end. And obviously the whole sleep apnea surgery that he had. He said that he feels better, he's sleeping better, and I think, that's, I think the key is he's sleeping better, which is causing him to rest better and keep his body in health, healthy situations. Now he can put bombs 
over the monster. I think this dude's 100% healthy, and he's ready to go. Well, he even didn't even have a, that bad of a year. I mean, for his standards, maybe it wasn't that great of a year. But overall, for any player, he really didn't have that bad of a year last year, even being completely beat up. And I think this sleep apnea surgery was, was huge, because if you're sleeping and you're actually, like, getting rest and feeling better and feeling more awake and you probably see better as a result, and he's hitting the cover off the ball. He's hitting 412 and in uh, spring training. He's 7 for 17. He's got those two home runs, and... He's feeling better. He looks better at the plate, and he's he's got all over all his injuries. And he was still pretty good last year with them. So I expect a huge year from him. And I think I think that's he could be one of the most important players for the team. Yeah. No. I um I am looking forward to seeing what Napoli does on the season, and I think it's going to be a big step. One little small tidbit before we get off here. I know Jess. I think you know what I'm going to bring up today. Today in the uh, Red Sox clubhouse, Wade Miley became more of a Southern hick than I thought he was. <laughs> uh, uh, Pete Aver was reporting on Twitter that apparently a snake got loose in the Red Sox clubhouse. Yes, you heard me right, a snake. Apparently a bunch of players and training staff were getting up on chairs and freaking out like little schoolgirls where in walks uh, good old hick Wade Miley, hero to the rescue, um, grabbed it by the neck, apparently got into a golf cart with it in the passenger seat, holding it by its neck still, and drove it out to the woods and released it free into the Fort Myers wilderness. Bravo to that man. And that is a great way to end this show because that is just great news, Jess. And hearing that makes me love Wade Miley even more than I already did. He's going to fit in so well. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Like, that's so that's a great story. And, I mean, most people are terrified of snakes, so it's hilarious that he just grabbed it and took it over and released it. I mean, that's, that's hilarious. That's, that's a great story. And, just shows that he, I mean, everyone's gonna love him for that, and shows he's not afraid of stuff. So, and yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize he was he was quite that big of a hick, but clearly he is. So, go Wade Miley. Could you imagine this? His personality with like a, I guess like a John Lackey or a Josh Beckett. <laughs> It'd be, I know, I know it's never gonna happen, obviously, but it's just insane to think about. And obviously, him and Clay Buckholz, I think, are gonna be great friends because Clay Buckholz is much of a Southern hick as Wade Miley is. So, yeah, Clay's pretty out there. And apparently they all fish, because I've seen a lot of pictures of them going fishing during their workouts or after their workouts. <laughs> training. So, uh, good news is that the Red Sox are getting along. Red Sox are moving well during spring training. We've got bullpen stuff to talk. we talked about today. Great, again, segment, and we appreciate Sean Ferris of SportsTalkFlorida.com coming on again. You can follow him at, at RealSeanFerris on Twitter. Great, great Twitter follow. I suggested again. Thanks for him coming on. You should say our Twitter handles, too, since people should follow us, too. <laughs> All right, I am at jscal18 underscore clns, Jess. And I'm at clns underscore Jess saying. So follow and Jared, course, Sean, and I. And of course, you can always follow us if you're not already on at Red Sox Beat on Twitter. Go on to Facebook, we're on there as well. Great stuff again this week. Uh, next week, we'll get to you. The season's itching closer, folks. It's getting there. And snow's melting again, despite this freak snow we had yesterday here in Boston. Broke the snow record, now here comes baseball season. Fenway's almost melted completely. We're getting gearing up for some spring here. Talk to you next week. Until then, again, of course, just enjoy, enjoy the baseball, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. See you later.